Welcome everyone. This is the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. So I'm curious, does anybody know who sings that particular version of that song? If you do, call and let me know. Okay, on to a very special caller. Hi Jason, Dave again, just a quickie. Thank you for your um, description and quick review of the Space Alert game. Now, my children enjoy playing Cult Express with me, which is by the game designer and I think has elements of the same thing in, in Cult Express. You take it in turns to lay cards, some face up, some face down, and then at the end of that phase you then play through the result on the cards. And if you've misjudged it, if you've, if you've um, anticipated that one of your opponents has gone up to the roof of the car and you're on the roof and you've tried to shoot them and actually they've gone to the next car down, it all starts to go wrong. Um, but they really enjoy that. They get a little bit frustrated sometimes, but they really enjoy it. So Space Alert sounds like it's using some of the same thing and then with all kinds of other sort of tactile and audio elements. So I may well give that a go. Thank you. Especially because it's cooperative, which uh, means it, it's much more likely to be a hit with the kids rather than, um, yeah, rather than competitive. So, yeah, great. Thanks a lot. That was Dave Aldrich of the Deep Percentile Podcast. Thank you for the call, Dave. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy Space Alert. Space Alert adds a time element. It's not super strict. You have like a minute or so for each phase. I mean, you have plenty of time. But if you have somebody that gets stuck in analysis paralysis, it'll be frustrating for them. But but it definitely is a fun game. And if you can, after you place out your moves, you see where you screwed up and you went the wrong way and you can laugh at it, it's definitely the game for you. So Cold Express... Yeah, it definitely sounds like Cold Express shares some of the elements. So doing a little research, it looks like Cold Express was designed by a French designer, a different designer. Uh, well, the first name's Christopher without the R. I'm an American folk, so, so you can make ugly American jokes. I, I don't know any better. And the last name is like Rambalt, Romeo Alpha, India, Mike, Bravo, Alpha, Uniform, Lima, Tango. So I have heard of Cold Express. I did not previously own it. Thanks to your call-in, I just spent $107 buying Cold Express and the Horses and Stagecoaches expansion, Marshals and Prisoners expansion, and the Six Bandits expansions. So hopefully the family enjoys it. I guess I'll have to report back on that. On to the next caller. Hi, Jason. Uh, A good while back, I recorded an episode talking about some regrets for... Uh, well, I lost an uncle and there was some things that had remained and will forever remain unsaid. But uh, I just wanted to thank you for broadcasting your episode with Spencer calling about Enemy Mine. It brought back some fond memories of old Uncle Dave there. I remember the film come out and he was a massive fan. He was going around telling everybody they needed to see it. And I can see him now in my mind's eye, standing in his uh, living room, waxing lyrical about Enemy Mine. And I watched it as a youngster, and I thought it was really good. Uh, cool film, good uh, good choice from Spencer there. Anyway, 
hope you're having a good break over Thanksgiving, and I'll catch you later. That was the world-famous legendary anchorite Colin Green, the Spike Pit RPG podcast. Yeah, it's interesting what reminds us of different things. And, you know, that's definitely one of the advantages of doing these kind of things is as we listen to each other's ideas and comments, it, it reminds us of different things throughout our life for good and bad, but I hope more for good. So, yep. Thank you, Spencer. It was a wonderful suggestion. And thank you for that call, Colin. I appreciate it. I appreciate your good wishes. I hope all is going well for you over there across the pond. Valued listener Edwin had posed the question about retro 50s sci-fi style RPGs. And he mentioned he picked up Worlds United by John Sneed for the Mithras engine, or the Mithras game, which is kind of an offshoot of um, the RuneQuest game. Sorry. <laughs> Tired tonight. Anyway, the but Mithras is interesting. I have not played World or read Worlds United. It looks like it would do a good job at it. I have the Luther Arkwright books, which are time traveling stuff for uh, Mithras, and I have Mithras, and I have much of the fantasy stuff. I I quite like Mithras, um, but yeah, I have not read Worlds United. I will pick it up. This so Savage Worlds, of course, just did their their Flash Gordon Kickstarter, and that I believe does the retro thing. There are a number of games out there, um, but luckily we have a listener. Spencer, or Free Thrall from Keep Off the Borderland, that called in some recommendations of his own. So, let's hear what he has to say. Hey Jason, Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands. Uh, Some retro sci-fi games. Uh, You'll probably want to check out Rocket Age, which I believe is uh, 2D6. It's kind of 50s retro pulp sci-fi stuff by um, Ken Spencer and if you haven't already I'd check out uh, our own Pete Jones's Flash Golden ICRPG uh, and there's also something maybe might, might not be what you're looking for but it's uh, 1889 Space 1889 um, which is yeah like a sort of Victorian space travel type stuff. And I think that's available for Savage Worlds and Ubiquity, and it might have its own system too. Thank you for those recommendations. If anybody else has any recommendations on retro sci-fi games, please call them in. So the next caller we have is Joe. This was a second call he gave me in a series. So the first call has been played somewhere else. On, on an earlier episode, I believe. So we're going to go right in the middle of a, a little bit of a rant. So without further ado, here's Joe. I also have to call in about your little fourth edition quip right there. And I'm no proponent of fourth edition. I'm not a fourth edition apologist. But I don't think it's any more or less prone to storytelling than any other edition of D&D. I mean, look at 5th edition. There's a ton of 
from fourth edition into fifth edition and people seem to not have a problem telling stories in 5e so yeah man like 4e gets a lot of crap and for a lot of really good reasons but i don't think it I don't think that particular criticism of 4th edition is justified. So yeah, man, just wanted to send that in there. Peace out, dude. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate your defending 4E. I'm actually not a 4E hater. Uh, if you look, you can find on Audio Dungeon where I defended it. I've defended it in calls to Froths. When, when, he, when um, he did his unpopular opinions, I mentioned that I am defend 4E in that. And I believe in a call to Rayotis' Plentigrounds, I may have defended it as well. Uh, I I actually think 4E is good as what, for what it is. It is a tactical game. Uh, I almost wish they hadn't called it D&D, to be honest. Uh, now, Ray does, in Plundergrounds connect 4E, you know, in there between 3.5 and 5, and shows that connective tissue. Yeah, but I'm not a 4E hater. I was just making a joke. I If I didn't come if I didn't make myself clear that I was joking with that snide remark I apologize but that was all my intent was was to make a joke I there are games I I do truly dislike but 4e actually isn't isn't one of them hello out there to all the kids listening to Jason's show this is Uncle Joey with a little recommendation for y'all absolutely go watch Black Hole it is not too scary for kids. It will not give you nightmares. And if it does, there are worse things in the world than nightmares. Jason, did you have nightmares after you saw it? I didn't. It's an amazing movie. It's good. It makes people think. It makes kids think. And kids are often smarter and more resilient than we give them credit for. So anyway, kids, go check out Black Hole as soon as you can. And tell your parents to buy you lots of toys for Christmas. Thanks for that call, Joe. Of course, I don't think I said earlier, that's Joe Richter, the Hindsightless and Wheeler Woe podcast. So, that's an interesting discussion. Um, it depends on your kids whether the black hole is appropriate or not. I mean, the black hole isn't, I mean, it's not torture porn, and it's not, you know. It, you know, I saw the Hateful Eight, the Roadshow edition, I think they called it, the longer version of the Hateful Eight with the intermission and all in the theater when it came out. Christmas, it was a couple years ago, it was the same Christmas I think Star Wars premiered, the new, the Force Awakened came out, anyhow, there was a kid, there's an elementary school kid in there with his family, you know, and this kid, you know, like a, like friggin' second grader, in there watching the Hateful Eight with his family, and, you know, during the intermission, you know, he asked his dad, you know, oh, is this going to become a Christmas tradition, you know, and I don't know, that just seemed a little odd to me. I, but maybe I'm a bad parent. Maybe that should be the norm, you know? I, I don't know. It, it depends what you've, exp- what you've shown to your kids in the past and what kind of discussions you have with your kids after you watch movies. I definitely think in the right environment, the, the black hole is not too scary for kids. And I think you have to have those discussions afterwards, though. I mean, you've got some pretty... There's some pretty dark, dark things in the black hole when you think about it. Uh, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for anybody, but I will say, you know, the black hole is definitely a... You can see the precursor notes there. You know, it's not sunshine, and it's not um, um, event horizon, 
but you can see it, it's more Sunshine Event Horizon than it is Star Wars or 2001, you know? Um, so I, I definitely think it, the parents should know what their kids have been exposed to before. If your kid's never been exposed to anything dark, then you're going to have to have some serious discussions with them. And, they, and they've got to have some kind of theological basis, too, to have those discussions with them. Because it goes to theological places in that movie, you know. Um, the, but, yeah, definitely like preteens and teens, of course they can see it. It's not bad. But I was looking, thinking more like little kids because they see the robots and the trailers push the robots and if you got a little kid, you know, like that little kid that was in the Hateful Eight, he's of the age I wouldn't show the black hole to. And, you know, but apparently that family definitely would, you know. Heck, maybe they, not, I don't know, I won't go there. I, I'm not going to question their judging or their, their parenting skills, maybe. Like I say, maybe that's the better way to go, I don't know. Um, we've talked before, you and I and other people, about how us Americans have hang-ups and you know, especially on the sexual things, and maybe we should ex- um, be opener in our society with that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Not that there's sexual stuff in the black hole, don't misread me, but I appreciate your defending the movie. I, after rewatching it, um, am actually coming around. I actually really like it for what it is, and I think it was a very daring movie, and I'm kind of surprised Disney put it out like in the format they did. I'm surprised they didn't cut it to ribbons after they saw it. That was pretty brave of them to to put it in theaters, you know, in the form they did. So, yeah, I'm not poo-pooing the black hole at all. But I think unless your kids are experienced, experienced I don't know what the right word here is, unless your kids have been exposed to other things or you're going to have those interesting discussions with them afterwards, I wouldn't just plop it on and so they can see cute robots, if that makes sense. Um, and that said, there is one other thing I should say regarding the black hole. Just want to put a quick disclaimer up it, in the show notes for episode 32, I linked to a video on YouTube talking about, you know, reviewers being too naive to understand the ending of the black hole. And I still think that's an interesting video. I found that video when I was researching the end of the black hole for that episode. I had, you know, never seen other videos by that that YouTube poster before, or on that YouTube channel, whatever the right term is. Um, you know, having gone back when, now that I've had a minute and seen a couple, his other videos are pretty political. He, you know, it's it's what it is. I'm not getting into politics. I'm not endorsing his channel. I didn't watch his channel before, and I'm not gonna sit there and go through all his videos. But I do think isolated from the rest of his work, his comments on the black hole are interesting. So I will leave the link in the show notes for that black hole video. But I do want to throw the disclaimer up that he gets into politics and probably distainful probably politics that people aren't going to like on his other videos. So I'm not recommending, I'm not endorsing him or his channel. Just that one single video is interesting ideas for film buffs. And I, I would also say if you're not familiar with the black hole or haven't revisited it lately, you know, you may want to before watching his video because he does obviously spoilers and he does discuss some details in there. But I just thought I should throw that disclaimer up there. And um, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. 
What's up, Jason? It's Joe, dude. That was a great, great contest, man. Not only for all the games, but just for all the book recommendations. There's a few on there that I haven't read that I need to, a few that I absolutely love. I I, I need to check out that Bourne book because like you, as soon as he said Flying Godzilla Bear, I was 100% in on it. Um, I'm glad you dug that song because it, oh my God, it's so hard, dude. I love it. Anyway, man, thanks for uh, thanks for putting this together and uh, giving me a bunch of books that I need to read. Anyway, dude, have a good one. Peace out. Thanks, Joe. I, too, enjoyed the call-in episodes. I always do, and I enjoy these contests because people come up, they're so creative, and they come up with such great things, not just for bookstores to read, but game ideas, and it was all pretty great. One that didn't quite make it, maybe it was my fault for scheduling it for the day, the day before the last day of the month. So I'll take a hit on that. But um, Josh Beckelhammer of JB Podcast or JB Publishing has sent me an entry, but it, it came in late. And he actually t- messaged it to me. So I'm going to go ahead and read his entry now because I think it should be included. So the book he picked, or the, you know, the story he picked, was The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman from, from 1892. And he says it could be used as a horror or mystery game. The real premise of the book is about the treatment of women in the medical psychological department. The character in the story has postpartum depression but is labeled crazy and treated through ways that actually would turn you crazy. Locked in a room, this woman begins to go mad and starts to peel away the yellow wallpaper in the room as something to give herself something to do. Then she starts to see a woman trapped in the wallpaper. Through the rest of the story, the woman is trying to remove the wallpaper to release this woman. She rubs it with her shoulders and arms, rubbing her skin off as she does. The ending has her husband. In the ending, her husband breaks through to find his wife. I kept on creeping, just the same, but I looked at him over my shoulder. I've got it at last, said I, in spite of you and Jane, and I've pulled off most of the paper, so you can't put me back. You could turn this into something much darker, that there was indeed something in the wallpaper, and she let it out, and now the wallpaper is destroyed, so there's no way of getting her back in there. Interesting idea, Josh. Yeah, I remember reading that. That's well, We read it in school. Um, but yeah, it, it's an important story for a number of reasons, but it could definitely be turned into something much darker, as you say. So thank you so much for that entry, Josh. While I'm sitting here working on the computer, I should talk about overscheduling. So, and I am recording on my phone, though. My Gorilla podcaster creds are being upheld. Anyhow, what I want to talk about is this past Sunday, I probably overbooked a little bit. And I'm going to use Eastern Standard Times. At 3.30, I had an interview with RFED about board games. At 5 o'clock, I had a game of Star Dogs with the creator, Michael Reston. At 9 o'clock, I had a game with scheduled with Carl of BX Broken Lands. At 12, I was hoping to play the... Um, yeah, my brain's fried. At 12, I was supposed to be playing with Cody M in his Barrow Maze. And then at 2, you can start to see the issue here, I was scheduled to run Bushido. Uh, so the first thing that started falling apart 
as the barrow maze and broken lands i was trying to be able to do one and then the other and and cody's good about scheduling barrow maze a little bit later if somebody else is playing a game earlier that day but obviously that you know that would have worked but it wasn't going to work with the bushido game so i ducked out of barrow maze and he was able to reschedule that earlier which worked out for other people which is good but so we already have the conflict there for for a couple reasons mainly i wasn't quite prepared to run it yet because i'm still trying to grok all grok the system bushido got canceled and we ran best left buried instead that was fine i had five players it went great well it didn't go great but i'll talk about it another time but it went i think everybody had a good time for the most part um but anyway, I had to, I ended up not playing in Carl's game because of other things popped up. Um, important safety tip, make sure your wife knows what your schedule is so you know if she's scheduling something else. I'll, I'll just leave that there. Anyhow, so I had a lot of things scheduled back to back to back to back. And it's been commented by a couple people that I've got too much going on. Well, that's not fair. They, they don't like come out and say, Jason, you have too much going on. But... They pretty much say that, and and they're not wrong. I so I work with my job because we do twelve hour shifts. We work like three days one week, four days the next week. So I work about half the month. Now it's not like I work half the month and then half a month off, like consecutively, right? But I have a couple days off each week, and and I try to pack as much as I can in those days off. And sometimes I try to pack too much in those days off. See where I'm going here. And and that was a good example. So, yeah, m- maybe give yourself a little bit of space there. Don't try to pack three or four games or three or four different things in one day, gaming things in one day. So, learn from Jason. What's in the basket, Easter eggs? So what does this already packed episode need? Well, an unboxing, of course. So I have in front of me a box. It is... Nine inches by six and three quarter inches by three inches. It's from Ship Naked in Indianapolis, so I know it's some kind of game from Kickstarter. Um, let's see what's in here. Uh oh, I have to open the box here. There we go. I'm trying to open it, and lots of tape. Okay. Whoops. Not yet open. Okay, this is two board games I kickstarted. I have Tiny Epic Tactics, and this is from Gameland Games. Well, they both are, of course. And I have Tiny Epic Tactics Maps Expansion, the Winter Highlands and the Savage Wastelands. So, I don't know how good this is going to be. This is a, a tactics game, and it it's supposed to make use of elevation. You can fold these boxes together and use them to kind of stack them up on top of each other to give you elevation. You know, so some pieces are higher than the others. And it's, it should have meeples in here for your units. Um, it says, you're a tactician in the world of Ogmore, and you must lead your group to victory by gaining control of the realm. At your command is a skilled fighter, a powerful wizard, a crafty rogue, and a mighty beast. With 32 characters and numerous play modes to explore, including the option to build your own maps, Tiny Epic Tactics offers endless entertainment. 
and it's supposed to be players 1 to 4, so you can play solo, time 30 to 60 minutes, age is 14 plus. So I've got a bunch of these gambling games, these tiny games. They've done a whole series of them. I actually haven't played all the ones I have. They have tiny epic zombies, they have um, tiny epic mechs, tiny epic defenders, regular epic defenders. The defenders ones are good. It's like a um, tower defense game. Uh, I don't know. Tiny Epic Galaxies. That one's actually pretty good, too. So there's a Tiny Epic Wild West one somewhere. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. But they're, they're good games. Well, some of them are good games. I, can't, I haven't played them all, so I can't speak them all. Tiny Epic Defenders and Tiny Epic Galaxies. I, I say those are good games. I have to go back and revisit the others. But anyway, that's our unboxing for today. As always, the best way to reach me is just leave a voice message on the Anchor app where you can reach me on the Audio Dungeon.